0: Hello and welcome back to My Business Playbook. It is so good to be with you. Now, today we are joined by Amanda and Leah of EVA, an award-winning digital furniture company based out of Melbourne, Australia. Amanda and her partner Ken started the business in their living room in 2017. And what started as an award-winning mattress in a box has grown into a range of high-quality homewares and furniture, all thoughtfully designed in Melbourne. They have seen crazy growth and have doubled their revenue in the past 12 months alone, all in a global pandemic, no less. They are definitely doing something right. So in this conversation, we are joined by Amanda, the founder, and Leah, their digital marketing manager and head of performance. And we're talking about marketing, scaling, and the unique startup story of Of Eva. You are going to love this conversation and I know that you're going to be so inspired by their approach to business. And also if you hang around until the end, you're going to hear a little sneaky offer from the team of Eva just for you as a listener of My Business Playbook. So hang around to the end to get access to that little offer. Now let's dive into my conversation with Amanda and Leah of Eva. Well, welcome to the show, Amanda and Leah. It's so good to be chatting with you about Eva and everything that you guys are doing here in Australia and how you've kind of built this digital furniture company. I'm so looking forward to this conversation. It's so good to have you with us. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks
1: for having us, Laura. So so happy to be here.
0: (laughs) My pleasure. So tell us about your business? Like what is Eva and how did you start and, and where are you guys based as well?
1: I guess we, we started here in, in Melbourne. Um, initially, it was in our living room. That uh, was an idea that we had. And at the time, I had just finished my neurosych degree. So I come back down from Sydney. And I was like, cool, I'm going to get a job in neuropsych. Um, but it was pending registration from ARPA. So I was like, what am I going to do in this time? And I was sort of working, um, sort of volunteering. And then Eva was sort of here as well. And that was sort of the, the start of everything. And we were looking into sort of the furniture industry, we we're looking into the mattress industry and thinking about you know, what's what's going on now? You know, um, you would go into a mattress store, you would think, I'm going to lie down on, on this mattress and then spend like, I don't know, $5,000 on, on an investment that's going to last me for the next, you know, eight to 10 years. But even though you haven't actually slept on the product and it, we thought that that was a little bit, where's the customer and all that? Um, you would never buy a car without really test driving at first and going on the freeway um, <laughs> and that kind of thing. So thinking about that, thinking about customer centricity, and trying to di- try to yeah you, know, you know mix all that into this sort of mattress industry at the same time, was sort of how Eva started.
0: And it's so true because I I bought this mattress and I totally got sucked in. I, I went to and you know what? Like there's always a mattress sale. Have you guys noticed that? All the Every time. Like, there's, why are they always on sale? It's so <laughs> weird. And so I went to this. I was driving somewhere and saw this mattress sale sign and I walked in and was like, okay, great. I need a new mattress. Yeah, you like you lay on it for like two minutes and then you feel a little uncomfortable because the salesperson is there just looking at you while you're (laughs) laying down. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And so then I was like, okay, what? And then the other thing was like, when you buy it, they're kind of like, okay, well, like you're good to – carry that on out to your car? And you're like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> like, yeah. how am I going to do that? So it's, it's such a funny thing to go. Also, we use it every single day, statistically. Like we use it every single day. Mm. Like, it every single day. Mm. So it's kind of like, it totally makes sense to be able to try something and, and kind of before you do that. And also before you make an investment of, you know, however much they are, I can't even remember how much mine was, but it was crazy. So I love that you guys are already approaching it from a very different perspective from the get-go. And so, but talk to me about, I feel like you're like, I was, did you say a neuropsychologist? Oh yeah. <laughs> so talk, just, you kind of glossed over that bit. How did you go from that to, to kind of going, I'm going to start a furniture company?
1: Yeah, I have um, I have a lot of interests. I think probably will start there. <laughs> um, so at that time, so I, I was saying I was sort of um, volunteering. I was doing a bunch of different things, and Eva was one of those things. And then once I got my my registration in neuropsychology, I was like, cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna work as a neuropsych, and um, I did because I had to get my registration program. So it was a registrar program. It was like three thousand hours to make sure that you're fully endorsed as a clinical neuropsychologist. And I was amazing, I'm gonna do that. And I'm also gonna do Eva on the side because it, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. Um, so I did that for about a year or two years where I was working after hours Eva. I was working part-time Eva eventually. So I dropped down some hours in neuropsych. And then once I got my registration come through, um, but at that point I then left neuropsych and I was like, you know what? I really enjoy Eva. I'm gonna put that aside. And I went in full-time with Eva um, about the start of last year.
0: Yeah! Wow! the
1: both—that's
0: <laughs> incredible. And so, Leah, when did you come into the to the mix?
2: Yeah, uh, I actually joined Eva. I reckon about a year, two year and a half ago now. So I actually joined yeah. as a specialist, went on as a digital marketing specialist, and now I'm sort of heading all the performance efforts at Eva.
0: Ah, oh, so so cool! And you guys have done such an incredible job at marketing your business. And I really want to get into some practical kind of marketing tips and strategies that you guys have been using to really build your brand. Because, you know, the unique thing about what you're doing is you don't have a showroom, right? You're selling a ma- you're selling mattresses, you're selling furniture without a kind of brick and mortar shop front. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, everything you're doing has to be online and has to be really, your digital marketing presence has to be like on point, which it is, it's beautiful. So I really want to get into some practical tips on how you've actually, you know, built the business and how you've actually marketed and built such a cool brand. So my first question is, you call yourself a digital furniture company, which I love. I think that's super fun. How do you actually use your online marketing to make it easy for someone to purchase one of your furniture pieces without like seeing, feeling or touching them? So how do you actually do that? How do you make sure that it feels, people feel confident that the product is, is good
2: yeah, Laura, what you you just said earlier about your entire experience in a show, <laughs> lying there while there's like three other people breathing down your necks and two couples beside on the mattresses beside you, <laughs> that entire experience been there done that's not something yes. particularly great at all. And you know, the, the sort of reducing the friction to purchases online is one of the biggest focus of ours as an e-commerce company. Probably true for every other e commerce company as well, but um, the way we tackle the issue that you mentioned, as well as to allow people to actually try, is the promise of a 120 night trial. So basically, yeah. instead of trying our products in a showroom for five minutes, you get to actually try them at home with all your other furniture pieces, with your sideboard and everything, and look at it exactly as it is, try it, sleep on it, test it out, play with it before you decide if you actually like it. If you don't, return it to us. This is especially true for the year matches, since matches are so personal. They really require nights after nights after nights of testing before you even decide you like it. FYI, a little fun fact, takes up to 30 days for matches to really adjust to your body so yeah, so there you go. Thirty days, <laughs> but apart from that, um, another very important aspect to making that journey very seamless for people is that kind of it's almost me being very transparent with the images and content that we put out. So think a lot of videos; it is exactly as it is. A lot of user-generated content. Um, the photos we use are have very minimal editing and are placed in places that could almost be their art. Allows people to imagine our
0: products actually in their homes, and that's what we want to achieve. Yes, so cool! And so you've just expanded from so you're selling mattresses, and then how did that kind of transform from? Oh, now we want to do side tables, and and you've just launched your new lounge. Like, how does that kind of transform? How do you decide what products to do next?
1: Yeah, so I I guess um, it does come down to being very in touch with our customers, doing regular surveys, giving them phone calls, um, just being in touch and putting them at the center of, of what we do. And I guess that the reason why we have sort of moved from just being a mattress in a box company by itself to now having a host and a suite of other products is because we were thinking about, you know, we want to be in this business for the long term. And how do we do that? We need to think about lifetime value, for instance. How frequently does one person purchase a mattress in their lifetime? That could be every eight to ten years. Um, and if you think about that journey, it's like, well, what can we do in the meantime? Like, what what else? Can, what kind of value can we bring for the customer during these eight to ten years before they then purchase another mattress? And that's how we sort of moved from mattresses to um, bed frames to now side tables and now the lounge room and hopefully by... by um, the next year or so the rest of the house so that's sort of um, the journey we've taken so far
0: yes and that's so cool and so how does it I'm really curious about logistically how this works so like scaling a company like this when you're not are you you're doing production out of China right yeah is that right
1: yeah it is offshore yeah
0: so then how did you actually source the right um, suppliers, because I know that there's a real sustainability element to what you do. You're really wanting to be working with and partnering with like people who, you know, are a good fit for your business and align with your values. How did that kind of play out, and how did that process work for you guys?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's it's a very difficult process. It's it's not something like I'm gonna go pick a, a supplier from Alibaba and that's the one. Um, it's been, yeah. <laughs> it's very much a, a, a testing process. And I think before COVID, we were able to actually visit our manufacturers. Um, we visited almost like once or twice a year to just go up there and sort of, um, you know, meet that face-to-face kind of element to, to build that relationship. Uh, of course, now yeah. um, it's been a little bit difficult because... All the travel restrictions we have now, um, and I think it's it's very much about focusing on uh, the relationship through whatever mediums we have. So that could be daily WeChat um, messages, through to emails, through to you know phone calls, um, well, so video calls and things like that. Um, but it, it definitely has been quite tricky.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, and I think we, I interviewed Becca from Mustard Maid, and she she's incredible and they her and her sister Jess they have built this amazing like global brand and she I remember she was sitting in my kitchen like and this was like COVID had been around for a while at this point but she was just saying like the the logistics of getting a, a container from China to Australia just got like 10 times harder and so things cost more, it takes longer, all of those different things. Like, has that been, how has that experience been for you guys? And what have you had to do to kind of mitigate that?
1: Yeah, I think um, last year particularly was very tricky. I think we were out of stock. Was it Leah, that, that sort of one whole month we were out of stock? Oh yeah, oh,
2: yeah. that
1: was fine. Yeah. <laughs> that was a very uh, difficult period to navigate, especially trying to um, keep everybody motivated because of course the campaigns that, that Leah would be running is very dependent on whether or not the product is in stock. The ROAS mm-hmm. from all that, it's its its so tied together. Um, so that was yeah. very tricky. Um, but I think we, we were able to go through it together. And I think just having customers understand and being all all of it in, we're all in it together, which makes it easy for yeah. people to just jump on board and be a
0: little bit more understanding there. Yeah. It's such, I, I think it's so, I love seeing brands like you guys who are like, right, let's, Let's play big. And I love that in the middle of a pandemic, you're expanding your range, not playing small and you're really going, right, let's, let's move into the lounge room. And I love that you're doing that. It's so, so inspiring. So I really want to talk about your marketing because I think you do such an incredible job. And you've launched this mattress and furniture company in a market that is really flooded with competitors. And even in the mattress in a box Space. Like there's a lot, there's more and more people kind of jumping on that Mm -hmm. as well. What do you think, like, what do you think made you guys cut through and and really start to see people engaging with what you do? Mm -hmm. What do you think are the big things that really helped your marketing resonate with people? Mm
2: -hmm. That's actually a really, really good question. Um, It's something that we have chatted about a lot. But I think in a nutshell, Adiba, it was about finding our voice and staying true to our voice. We're definitely a David in a world full of Goliaths. (laughs) So the answer was (laughs) not. And I I think probably could not be fighting noise with just more noise. So much noise to the world. Yeah. So instead, what we did and what we will continue to do is stay really true to our company mission of a pretty simple living. So this starts from product design, actually. You know, products that are actually designed by my colleagues in, the, in our little Melbourne office. And they just fit seamlessly and perfectly into your lives. And it's almost like you you don't even realize they're there. They just work, you know, no matter what kind yeah. of house you have or what lifestyle you lead. It just works. Um, no complicated instruction booklets or 20 different tiny screws with us. <laughs> so that's all we're going for. And I think it also continues into our messaging and marketing communications as well. So things that could be made complicated, like for example, even matches. I think the uh, mattresses in itself, it can be complicated, especially for us. We're a hybrid mattress. We have five zone pocket springs and three different types of phone and all these different features about the mattress that makes it what it is. But we really try and pare it back down to make it simple for the customer to understand. Almost just presenting it as what it is—a a quality product that just works. So, in essence, it's about this deciding the voice, staying true to it, and carving a position for us that that is truly evil.
0: Yeah. And so, talk to me about how you guys work together because I know that as a founder, it's hard to let go of the marketing and it's hard to let go of the voice as well like I, I feel like um, my husband calls me a helicopter parent um, <laughs> to the people that work with us because I'm like eh, it needs to sound like this and you know and I'd probably need to just work on that myself but there is a like there's this intrinsic thing that we have as people who start businesses as founders as directors whatever you want to call it where we're like the voice is, it's so important because it's representing us in a weird way. How how did you, that work? Like Leah and Amanda, like you guys working together to really nail the voice, and and also Amanda for you to feel comfortable and go, oh my gosh, I, I'm just going to hand it over and totally trust Leah with with our baby? Like, how, how does that work?
1: Yeah, I think um, it helps that Leah is amazing. So that, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it, it, it might also come down to making sure that everybody's aligned in the sense that what why are we here? What are we doing? And, and where are we going? I think having that purpose yeah. very clearly laid out and making sure that everybody's interpretation of that is the same, then that means that you're, you're going to be able to trust that person to be able to take your baby and, and run with it.
0: Totally. And Leah, what's it been like for you? Like, h- how did you kind of walk in and go, right, I've got this and I'm, I'm taking it to the next level? How did that kind of play out for you? I think there's, there's
2: always an element of doubt in, you know, oh, if I do it this way, is it going to work? And, and, you know, there's always that. But thankfully, in our industry, there is that ability to, to an extent, be data-driven. So, it's almost like we are not allowing any one person's opinions to be the Bible for everything we do, but we're allowing data to dictate our actions and almost dictate our opinions as well. So even between Amanda and myself, thankfully she's been incredibly, uh, she, she, she resonates with like, you know, she, she gets it, she looks at the data, she looks at the eventual outcomes of things rather than what, we or any individual fix
0: yeah I find sometimes with ads people can kind of go well I'm spending this money why am I not seeing a result straight away and Mm -hmm. and there's actually a process of well we have to build awareness first and we have Mm -hmm. to build trust first and and this is kind of how like also we have to spend a bit of money (laughs) because there's this thing of like sometimes it feels like particularly in startup phase, there's this, oh, like I've got no idea. A lot of people start running ads and have, A, have no idea what they're measuring and B, they don't know how much to even allocate budget-wise to even start running ads that even kind of scratch the surface, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at – if we look at ads, for instance, what are the key things, Leah, that you're looking for in – we were talking about this before we even started recording. How I even came across you guys was through one of your Facebook ads and I was on Marketplace looking for something on on Facebook and I was like, oh my gosh, that looks like I saw one of your lounges, I think it was. And I was like, man, that looks so good. And that's how we kind of connected. But what are the key things that you're looking at when you're running ads? What are the key metrics you're really looking at, Leah?
2: Yeah, great question. I think, you know, we are any such a, Information overload sort of world. Yes. If you want to look for metrics, you can find metrics. Mm-hmm. You can find so many metrics. Um, for I, again, boils down to the objective of what we're trying to do. Um, for us, as a performance marketer, could be very immediately and very directly looking at the revenues, the ROAS, the return on ad yes. spend for every dollar we spend. It's a very clear one. But there are other metrics that leads there as well. As you said, leading towards that final patches. For example, one of the ones that we've been looking very closely at is Share Voice. So Share Voice very much tells you your market share and where you are at in whichever crowded industry you're in, because they all are. Yes. So, you know, looking at metrics like these and thinking about it, not just short term, but long term as well, and looking at all the metrics very holistically, it's, it's yeah, it's probably something.
0: Yeah, so good. And Amanda, are you, how often do you kind of check in on all those metrics as well?
1: Yeah, um, at least a few times a week. (laughs) A lot of the time um, it it helps because we we do have quite a close working relationship, Leah and I, so that I can trust that if there's something going on, um, something that's not happening really well, she will let me know and then we jump onto it
0: together. So that helps as well. Totally, totally. Now, I I love your approach to your ads. It's really, Always fun to see how other people run ads. I'm always like, cool, this is exciting. So from what you've done so far in your marketing, what do you think has been the most effective marketing strategy that you guys have used to date?
2: (laughs) I almost want to say it's like an accumulation of all the efforts and consistent efforts. But uh, I think one thing that really underpins everything is, um, as Amanda has mentioned earlier, is listening to our customers. I yes. it's a little bit cliche. <laughs> it, is actually, it is actually not the easiest, and it's actually a very conscious effort to really, really live by it. You know, um, to the point like customers tell us what products we want to see, even to the point of what colors we launch, um, customer questions form the basis of our FAQ. So they are really frequently asked and into our website content as well. And your questions come in are constantly being updated. And the customer reviews translates into improvements we make on our existing products, even the direction of future products. So all yeah. of that, you know, the very active, conscious, again, conscious decision to be customer-centric across all functions of the team, that is marketing, ops, Customer service, for everything is yeah. what I would I would think to be our best strategy.
1: Yeah, yeah no, I definitely. You you put it all in a nutshell. It's great. I guess it's like that customer centricity because that was you know that was where everything started. And even I think I remember um, in our first year, I remember there was a customer who was very 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 pregnant. And she called us up because she was so mad that the mattress was, was was heavy and, because well, she can't take it up the stairs herself. And so what we did, because we were only like a team of less than five people at the time, um, we actually drove out to her house and helped her bring the mattress up her stairs and, you know, um, open it up for her and set it up for her. And, like, she's been one of our strongest advocates since then. And even till you know, just before COVID um, there was this customer who had received the wrong, um, I think it was a bed frame part, and so uh, myself and Ken, the other co-founder, we drove out to her house down in Hampton, and we're like, "Hey, here's the part. We swapped it out, and we helped her build up her her bed." And then she's be- become like one of our biggest influences. Um, she's she's been part of our video campaigns and everything. So it's kind of like thinking about customers not so much from the the angle of profit and you know business, but more so that they become a, a true um, you know, I guess, advocate for the brand later on, that's where that true value is.
0: Yeah, that's so, so cool. And I I did an interview with a guy called Jeff Henderson, and he wrote a book called Know What You're For. And one of the things that he, he talks about is like doing for one person what you wish you could do for everyone. So like that idea of, oh, this person has, they kind of live a little bit like maybe they're like half an hour away from me, I can literally drive to their house and fix it. (laughs) And you can't do that for everyone, right? But I love the idea of going, okay, well, how could I do, how could I make this experience exceptional for this one person? And I I love that that's been your approach. It's so cool. (laughs) As you, I really want to talk to you about how you've grown and scaled, Amanda, because I think it's really incredible to kind of your story of going, oh, I'm I'm just going to start this company. So, how how has it kind of? I know that it's m- much more than that, but how has that kind of progressed? And how have you grown and and scaled this thing?
1: Yeah, it's um, a lot of uh, trial and error, I think, uh, oh, <laughs> along yeah. the way. I think what's been really really helpful for us um, has has been making sure you have the right sort of goal setting sort of paradigm for the company in the sense that we were talking a little bit before around um, making sure everybody is aligned on the purpose. And so whilst we can yeah. just say, hey guys, this is what we're doing, um, this is why we're doing it, but it's actually reinforcing that over and over and over again to make sure that it really is, it becomes part of your identity when you're at work. Everybody is on the same page about it all because I think as as, as a founder, one of our like main roles is to really nail that down and making sure that everybody is here for the same unified purpose. So having the right goal-setting goal paradigm will help sort of uh, maybe infiltrate that to, to everyone else as well.
0: How do you as a founder, because how long have you guys been running Eva for? Uh, since 2017, so about four years now, I think, four years. Awesome. When you started, were you just like, I, I have no idea how to run this? <laughs>
1: A little bit. bit How did you?
0: How did you learn how to run a
1: business? I think it's a lot of um, googling. So Google becomes your best friend, and it still still is my best friend to this day. And it is it is something that we actually advocate in the company that if you don't know something, then Google will know how. And also the fact that a lot of the problems that we're experiencing at the moment has been solved by some other company in the world. We just need to Google it, and I'm sure we'll can find the answer there. So it's very much around, um, having that, um, if I can't find a way I will, I'm going to keep trying till I get, till I get there.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's so, it's so good. (laughs) The funny thing is it becomes like running a business is a skill and it's not something that is necessarily, some people have entrepreneurial personality traits or a, a tendency or a bent towards that, but at the end of the day it, it is a skill and it's something that you can learn and and research and and kind of grow into as well so it's i'm always fascinated with how people kind of go oh i i'm this is my trade i'm going to do something completely different and I, it's just going to work like i love that i think that's so so cool um final questions i really want to um i want to do some rapid fire questions with you girls but but one more question and this is for both of you, what are you doing to, like, what do you do to keep growing? Like, what do you do to keep, like, finger on the pulse with what's happening in marketing or in business or online? Like, how do you kind of keep growing like that?
2: Yeah, I think, um, well, I almost feel like it's not just about looking around you. It's very important to look around you, be inspired by companies around you and what people people have done. But it's also really important to, Take risks and think oh, another cliche line, but out of the box. Sometimes <laughs> you gotta you gotta do it for 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 there to be really big change. Otherwise, everything would just keep going at, at the pace of, at the pace we're going. That's great, but yeah. if you want to grow, there has to be some sort of change. And um, and I think that sort of culture of embracing change it's it's
1: it's it's quite.
2: Here at Eva, and um, and I think it's quite kind of important.
1: Yeah, I think um, the the word pivot is probably part of everyone's vocabulary um, most days of the <laughs> <Yes>. week.
0: <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Oh well, I'm so I'm so grateful to have this conversation with you. I want to wrap up with some rapid fire questions for you both, and so I've got four questions. The first one is: I want you to finish the sentence success looks like?
1: Success looks like uh, purpose, people, product, and profit in that order.
0: Wait, purpose, people, product, profit. Ah, oh, I love that. Did you pre-prepare that? That was amazing. They all started with P. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so good. Leah, what's your answer to that?
2: Oh, I, uh, I, without preparing, I (laughs) I wish I did, but uh, I think, I think 1% more than where we are right now.
0: That's always 1% more. So good. So Amanda, what's one thing small business owners need to stop doing today?
1: Um, I think what they should be doing more of today is to value yourself and to value your time. Because if you, you can get lost in doing everything every, every day of the week, just um, not sharing that or thinking about your own worth, that you kind of lose the value in what you bring to the company and you kind of, yeah, pretty much you have finite resources. So let's put your skills to where you can bring the most value.
0: Yeah. I love that. And Leah, what do you think small business owners need to stop doing? Yeah, um, I think for me,
1: um, definitely agree with what
2: Amanda said. But also maybe adding to that, a lot of long, more long-term thinking in a short-term world. So think longer, think where you want your brand to be in five, ten years, you know, not just immediate, not just band-aid solutions to everything but uh, also band-aid problems and all that but long-term.
0: Yeah, so, so good. And what do you, what's the biggest piece of advice that you wish you knew when you started your business?
1: Uh, um, that networking, as cliche as this is, but networking is very important. I think no, it, it's yes. so difficult to start a business by yourself. You don't know it as as much as somebody else who has done or gone down this path. Is you? So it's it's it doesn't hurt to ask for help when you need to. Um, so, yeah, definitely putting yourself out there. And this is coming from an introvert like myself. Like this is something that I'm not naturally... Um, geared towards going down, but there is such great value in just asking for help when you need to.
0: Yes. Yeah. That's so good. And finally, a question for both of you, what's the best investment you've made in yourself or in your business?
1: And maybe I'll speak from the business perspective. Um, we, We actually, in the first year or so, we invested in a sort of a custom backend app for our website. And so, if you go into the checkout now, you'll be able to see that you're able to to select a delivery date up to three months in advance which is something we've built specifically for our store and that kind of ties in so closely to that customer centricity to being able to pick a a date from monday through the saturday whenever you like and you get gps tracking get um, live um, sort of calls before like 30 minutes before arrival so that has been key yeah
2: and i guess for me personally for everyone as well, all the books and audiobooks and podcasts. Just keep keep learning, keep listening, keep you know, thinking about things in ways you haven't thought about before.
0: So, so good. Well, you girls are incredible. Thank you so much for joining me. And I'm really excited to see where Eva goes. It's just you have such a beautiful business and such a cool business model so it's really cool to hear from you on how you've built that and and what you're doing in your marketing and what you're really doing to make it about the customer and and what i love about your approach is that you're just serving your customer and i love that that is kind of the the whole you're a furniture company but you're really just there to to serve the people that you that are your customers and i love i love that you're doing that so Thank you so much for joining. And one sneaky little thing for anyone who's listened this far, the lovely guys from Eva have given me a discount code for our community here. So if you want to check out their products and if you're like, man, I like the sound of that mattress in a box or that lounge, their stuff is beautiful. Put in the code LALA and you'll get a sneaky little discount. Um, I'll make sure to link that in the show notes, but head on over to their website and pop in the code LALA at checkout and you'll get a little discount. Um, so, thank you so much for joining us today, Amanda, Leah. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you.
1: So lovely. So lovely to chat to you, Laura.
0: Well, there you have it. That is the play by play for this week. I love their business. I love the way that they approach marketing and I love the way they have approached their brand. They're definitely a business to watch and I think you're gonna love their products as well. So head on over to eva.com.au and remember that if you want to get a little discount, type in the code LALA and you'll get a fun bonus discount on their products make sure you check them out. Make sure you check them out on Instagram as well. They're beautiful. What they do is just so, so lovely. Now, if you want to join the community, head on over to our Facebook group and we can connect a little further. For now, I'm going to say bye-bye and I'll see you here same time, same place next week. In the meantime, go get them.